Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. All right. Well, today we are beginning a brand new message series called Brokeopoly. And uh, I think that trailer says a lot. There's a whole lot we're going to get into here. The tagline for this series this week is Pasco Collect $200, Now What?, which I think is really great because what we're talking about in this next three weeks is money. And our goal really in Brokeopoly here is to explore the topic of money because it matters to all of us, right? All of us have money, some of it at least, and we need it to get by. It's just the way that our world operates, the economy that we live in. And what we want to do is we want to find out how we can use it wisely. We want to look throughout Scripture and see what, is, what does God teach about money and how it can be helpful for us, how it can be damaging to us, and how should we respond to it because we want to live a healthy life free from pain and frustration that money can often bring, right? I mean, I think that's probably the, probably the thing that most of us look at money is it's useful, but it can also be really painful, right? So I want to start off by asking you guys a question today, and I'd love to see your responses. How many of you have ever made a dumb decision when it comes to your money? Let me see your hand. A dumb decision. Maybe you made a dumb purchase. Maybe you uh, made a dumb decision. Right, I, I have. I see people with their hands, like two hands up in the air, right? This is, this is, this is for real, right? I, I, I can tell you I have made a lot of dumb, stupid decisions about money in my life. Um, for an example, early on in my, my, my marriage or my college days, racking up credit card bills uh, with cheeseburgers that are long gone, right? And if you guys know about the credit cards and how you're like, man, I really want to go out to eat tonight. And then later when that bill comes and you're like, what am I paying for? That cheeseburger has been gone for a month, right? I have bills like that in my past. But, you know, even more serious one, not that credit card bills aren't serious, but, but I remember a few years ago, several years ago, when we used to live in Maryland, my wife and I purchased uh, a Honda Pilot, right? And this nice car, eight-passenger with the whole rear seat thing going on. It was nice, all the bells and whistles. It had heated seats. My goodness, it had defrosters for the mirrors. I mean, well, come on. I, it was a nice car, but here's the problem. It was way too expensive, way too expensive for us. And even though technically we could have afforded it, it was an exorbitant price tag because our credit wasn't good for the credit card things that I talked about. So we had problems made a stupid decision. We didn't need that car or that particular car, and it was way too expensive. It was a dumb decision for us. And maybe some of you are thinking, ah, I have a story like that. I'm not going to ask you to embarrassingly share your own story. But I think for most of us, I'm guessing that we have all done stupid things with our money. We have made dumb decisions. Uh, and, and what I would say to you today at the beginning of this series is there's one rule. There's one big rule here, and that is no guilt. All right, no guilt. The message series that we're in here is about money, and, and I'm going to guess that we're all going to experience a wide range of emotions, right, uh, when it comes to money. It's a very emotional topic. Uh, we have a tendency when someone starts to talk about money, especially at church, oftentimes people can feel like defensive or they start to cringe a little bit, right, because we're talking about something that has a lot of weight and emotion to it. And what I would say to you today is this, no guilt, right? And if you start to feel guilty at all in this series, uh, I want you to know that it's not coming from, from me, and I don't even believe it's coming from God. God is not a God who, who places guilt on people. What we're trying to do is we don't want you to have shame. We don't want you to have guilt. What we want is for all of us to know that this is a no-guilt zone, and if you're starting to feel guilty based on what we're talking about, what I want you to say is, no, we're not here to blame, but instead what we're trying to do is we want to learn 
We want to grow and we want to move forward, okay? That's what we're talking about. And so this message series is really all about, we're going to start with the heart. We're going to start with what is it that's going on in our hearts when it comes to money. We're going to move to a very practical place, okay, later on. But you have to understand the heart first. It's very important for us to do this. Let me tell you where we're going to go. Today we're starting to talk about a foundation about it. We're going to talk about our heart. We're going to talk about money. And then next week, we're going to start talking about some really practical, very practical tips that are going to give us principles so that we can know how to move forward, have a plan to move forward according to God's word, and actually put a plan in motion for us to be free and also be able to get out of debt, if that's any of you are in a place where you're in debt. But today is all about the heart. It's all about the heart. And what I would encourage every one of you is to be here every single week for the next three weeks. And the reason I say that is because all the principles are going to build on themselves, okay? So what we talk about today will come into play tomorrow when we add, next week when we add on to it and into the third week, okay? So really want to encourage you to come for the next three weeks in a row. So today, let's get started. And the series, uh, the first message that we're starting with today is called Heart Sickness, heart sickness. And we're going to be reading out of Luke chapter 12. If you guys want to open your Bibles, um, Luke chapter 12 is the third book in the New Testament. So it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, right? The gospel of Luke written by a guy named Luke. So we have free Bibles for you. If no one has a Bible, if you don't have one, uh, we have them down here in the front as well as the Connection Center. Please grab a Bible before you leave today. And also, We also have this little book here called Learning to Follow Jesus. If you're a new disciple or would like some freshness to begin a new start in your relationship with Jesus, I encourage you to pick up this book. It's a seven-day guide to your walk with God. It's very good. So Luke chapter 12, it'll also be on the screen or if you have it on your smartphone or your tablet. We're going to begin reading in verse 13. And actually what we're going to kind of do is break, kind of read a little bit, talk a little bit, read a little bit. We're just going to kind of move our way through, okay? So Luke chapter 12, verse 13 starts right here. We're going to talk about the heart behind money. It says, then someone called from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Now we're going to pause there. What's happening here is that we have to understand first century culture. During this time in the year, let's say 30 AD or somewhere around there, what's happening is, is that the oldest brother would receive the majority of the inheritance. Okay, that was why it was important to be the firstborn. So what's happening in this case is that this guy is probably a younger brother. He's probably a younger brother who's coming to Jesus and saying, my older brother has gotten most of the estate from my parents and I want you to tell him he needs to share with me. That's essentially what's happening here, okay? Now, this guy comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, my brother has all of the estate, and he won't share with me. Can you please tell him to share? Now, why is this guy coming to Jesus? The reason is, is because Jesus talks a lot about money, actually. Throughout the Gospels, in the New Testament particularly, he is relentlessly bringing up money, possessions, wealth. And here's some stats for you. In fact, it actually turns out that two-thirds of Jesus' parables actually have something to do with money, wealth, or possessions. That's interesting. Two-thirds of the parables have to do with money. In fact, one in every ten verses in the Gospels deals with money. So this guy has heard one of Jesus' messages or sermons or sayings about money, and he's like, aha, I'm going to go talk to that guy because Jesus is going to be able to fix it. So this guy thinks that. But this is really funny to me because this is actually really, this is reality, right? How many of you have ever heard a message that was like, wow, that was so convicting. And the first thought you have is, I need to tell my husband. He needs to hear this. 
or I need to tell my brother or my sister or my girlfriend or my boyfriend or my kids, right? That, that happens all the time. Like you'll hear a message and you're like, man, I really wish so-and-so was here today. I'm going to send them the link so they can hear it, right? That's what happens. That's what this brother's doing. This dude is basically saying, I've got a problem. Wow. And he wants to tell, he wants Jesus to tell his brother what to do. I think that's just so funny to me. But here's what we're going to do when we start the series. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and I want you to say, you need to hear this message. Now, I want you to look at yourself and say, I need to hear this message. All right? So here's the deal. I need to hear this message. I need to hear this series. Why? Because what we're talking about today is the heart. And this is what Jesus said. Listen to what Jesus' words. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. And what Jesus was saying is that there is a direct link between your habits with your money and your attitude toward your money. So, right, there's a direct link between the habits, the way we spend it, and the attitude of my, of my heart towards money. And then also there's a link between the management of my money and the health of your heart. What Jesus was essentially saying is that the way I spend my money, the things that I think are the most important things, indicate whether my heart is healthy and whether or not my heart is on the right things. Okay, that's what we're saying here. Jesus also said in another place that you can't serve both God and money. Now, isn't it interesting that of all the things that Jesus could have said right there, you can't serve God and, insert whatever you want here, that he picked money. He could have said you can't serve both God and power. He could have said you can't serve both God and popularity or maybe yourself or you can't serve both God and your own sexual desires or whatever it might be. Instead, the thing that Jesus chose to say was you can't serve both God and money. Why, though? I'm guessing it's because he knew that we would have the propensity to make money and possessions and things the number one competitor for our hearts. And I think as we move forward today, we'll see that a little bit more. So verse 14, Jesus replies, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Jesus here was basically saying, come on, man. This is not why I'm here. You want me to, you want me to come here and, and, and fix, fix a dispute with you and your brother about money? I'm here for something way more important than this. I'm not worried about your net worth. I want to see you whole and free. I'm not, I don't want you to just be rich. I'm worried about your heart. I want you to be free. That's what he basically says here. But then in verse 15, he says, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. And Jesus says here, be careful, watch out, be on your guard. And the assumption here is that there is something lurking beneath the surface that is hard to see, something that we don't catch all the time. When he's saying beware, watch out, be on your guard, that's like there's something sneaky going on, right? That's the idea here, that something is happening, something that hides from you, it easily deceives you. So be careful and watch out. And he says, watch out for all kinds of greed. Does that surprise you? Watch out for all kinds of greed. I don't recall any place in the Bible where Jesus says, beware, watch out for adultery, right? Why is that? Is it because adultery isn't as destructive as greed? No, it's because adultery isn't as deceptive as greed is. It isn't as deceptive. You know, I, I think most people almost always will know when they're committing adultery. 
I mean, whether or not, I, I should hope so, but I think the assumption that we see right here is that, is, that, is that greed is something that is difficult for us to see. Jesus says, watch out, be on your guard, because it's something that poisons your heart. Now, I have been a minister or a pastor in the ministry of some kind for well over 12 years now, and I've had people come up to me and they've said, Pastor, I, I'm really struggling with sexual desires, or with lust, or with pornography, or whatever, right? But I have never heard have anyone come to me and say, Pastor, I'm really struggling with my greedy thoughts. Like, I'm just a greedy individual. I've never heard anyone come. I've never seen that in my life. Why? Because I, don't, I just don't think we see ourselves that way. I think, we, I think we all admit that we have problems with anger or, 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 you know, or, or lust or whatever, but when it comes to greed, we don't think we're greedy people. I'm not Michael Douglas in Wall Street, right? That's, that's what we think of. But Jesus is, is saying that this guy who came up to him and said, like, would you help my brother to share with me? He's talking about greed in that kind of innocuous sort of a moment. Why? Now, let me be clear to you that Jesus is not talking about money as the problem here. He's not saying that based on how much you have or how little you have is a problem. He's not talking about money. Money is not even really what he's talking about. He's talking about our heart here. The problem is what happens when we fall in love with money. That's what he's really getting at here. He's talking about when you fall in love with money that a problem happens. The question is not whether about you're rich or whether you're poor. The real question is whether your heart is healthy or if it's sick. And I love that about Jesus, that he always just gets right to the thick of it, right to the heart of it. So Jesus sets it up, and he says, watch out for greed. It's subtle, it's deceptive, but it will poison your heart. And then Jesus gives us the truth. And I think that if we can listen to this, if we can live by it, if we can just really believe into it and have faith that it's true, it has the power to change us. It has the power to transform us and to set us free. And this is what Jesus says. He says, my life is not measured by what I own. That's our first point for the day. My life is not measured by how much I own. And I want you to say that with me. My life is not measured by how much I own. Here's what Jesus is saying. There is a big difference between your standard of living and your quality of life. There is a big difference between your standard of living and your quality of life. Now, every day we have advertisements and our culture teaches us that those two things are the same. That, that if I raise my standard of living, if I dress better, if I vacation better, if I drive better, if I live in this place better, if I have more of this and more of that, then my quality of life will rise up with it. But what Jesus is saying is that is absolutely not true. Is 100% false is what Jesus is saying. Your life is not measured by what you own. How do I know this is true? Because some of you have high-paying jobs or you have good jobs and you're not any happier than you were. Some of you have more, but you don't get along with your family. You have money, but you worry about things all the time. You have a higher-paying job, but you dread getting up for work in the morning. You hate what you do. That's how I know that you can have a higher standard of living but not have higher quality of life. Jesus is saying that they're not the same. Don't confuse the two. Our lives, our real life is not measured by how much we own. So here's a question. What do you think God cares more about? What do you think he's more concerned with, your standard of living or your quality of life? I want, I want you to ask that same question to yourself. Would you rather have an awesome marriage or would you rather have a horrible marriage in an awesome car? Would you rather have a 1,500 square foot house with, filled with laughter and love or a 3,000 square foot home with private bathrooms for everyone but you can't fall asleep in your bedroom at night because you're worried? Jesus is saying, 
that our quality of life is not measured by the things that we own. It is not based on our standard of living. And yet there's something inside of each one of us that says, well, I'd really like to have both. I'd like to have the 3,000-square-foot house with the private bathrooms and bedrooms and sleep at night. I'd rather have the awesome car and an awesome marriage. I'd rather have all the money in the world and have a nice family, right? We all want all of those things, but why? Where does that come from? Where does this desire come from that we want, we're willing to, to risk or trade the best things that we have in our lives so we can have more things? Where does it come from? The problem is our hearts. It's my heart, mine. It's your heart. And it's the sickness that takes over our hearts. It's called greed. Greed is the enemy that tricks our hearts into believing that life would be better if we had more stuff. What, is Jesus, what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to heal us from the hidden poison of greed. So here are two things that Jesus does. We're going to kind of move through the rest of this message today. Two things that Jesus does. One, he's going to tell a story. and We're going to read through that. He tells what's called a parable. A parable is a story that is not true in order to illustrate something that is true. And Jesus did this all the time. He talked in parables all the time. And then the second thing is that when he's finished telling the story, Jesus then gives commentary to it. And that's where we're going to go. And we're going to see a couple things. One, in the parable, we're going to meet a man who has a heart problem with money. He's got money sickness, and his story illustrates our problem. That's what Jesus did. Whenever he told a parable, he was talking to people around him, and he's essentially saying, this is you, without saying this is you, okay? So that's kind of what the parable is. And then Jesus is going to give all of us a vision of freedom about that. He's going to give us a vision of what it looks like to live with a heart that is healed, that is free, and that is healthy. So verse 16 continues, says, then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. So Jesus here is telling a story about a farmer, and things are going really well for him. He has more than he's ever had. And some of us know what that feels like. Man, I'm having a really good month. Like I'm having a good year. Things are good for me. I feel great. And that's okay. That's good. That's not the problem, right? But then he gets more than he, ha- than he thought he was going to have, and he starts to worry. And the worry is where the problem comes in. What am I going to do with it all? See, it's one thing to say, wow, I'm blessed. Look how good things are going. It's another thing to think, I better store this up because if I don't have more, maybe something happens later. And there's nothing wrong with being a good steward, with having a savings account. Those are good things. That's wise stewardship, right? But what Jesus is illustrating with this guy is he's basically saying that the problem was that he had more than enough And he started to worry about not having enough in the future rather than being secure that God was going to take care of him. So he continues in verse 18. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build a bigger one. And then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and the other goods. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have earned enough. You have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. So he's got more than he's ever had before, but he's worried Again, right, our standard of living does not equal quality of life. And he makes a decision to build a bigger barn. That's the answer, right? And he makes the same decision and the same conclusion that many of us come to when we conclude that the answer to our problems is something bigger, something newer, something shinier. If I can just get the bigger barn, then I will finally be able to rest and enjoy my life. But it's a faulty thought process. The standard of living equals our quality of life. Have you ever thought... And this is, this is one of those moments where I think you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I just want you to think and kind of analyze in your heart. Have you ever thought, a thought about, if I just had more money, it might help me solve my problems? I know I've thought that way, right? If I just had more money. Now, what does that look like? What are some of the thoughts that we think? If I just had more money, I wouldn't have to work so much, right? 
If I just had more money, I wouldn't have to be in debt. Or if I just had more money, I would finally be able to be more generous. Here's the problem with money. It's our hearts. Money doesn't solve our problems, but you know what it does? And here's our second point. Money makes you more of what you already are. Money makes you more of what you already are. If you suddenly came into a lot of money, if you're selfish, money won't make you generous. It's just going to make you more selfish. If you, are, if you struggle with the discipline to live within financial means and a budget, money is not going to make you disciplined. It's going to cause your lack of discipline to create even more problems for you. Money is not a savior. It's a magnifier. And that's why we see like people who, who win the lottery, right? We've heard these stories of people who win millions and millions and millions of dollars and they end up bankrupt. And every one of us goes, how is that possible? How did you win $400 million and now you're broken on welfare again? How does that happen? It's because money magnifies what you already are. It doesn't solve our problems. So the question really isn't how much money you make, but it's what is it that drives us to spend everything that we make and even sometimes more than what we make. I know I'm preaching to somebody in the room today. I know it. I'm preaching to myself. And the answer is from Jesus is greed. And that's why we're starting off with this series about our heart. It's so important for us to understand the, the small ways that money, that greed has its claws in us. And it really shows up in the ways that we make our decisions, the way we think, the way that we talk, the way we believe about God, and the way that we act to other people. It really has so much to do with it. Now, next week, we're going to get really practical, but this week, we have to dig in to our hearts. And here's another point. If you're not happy with what you have, then you won't be happy when you finally get what you want. If you're not happy with your situation in your life, and I'm not saying that you don't want more. That's okay to, to desire things. But what Jesus is saying here to all of us is if you can't be content with the things that you have, if you're not content with the 1,500-square-foot house that you're all crammed into as a family, then you're not going to be happy when you finally get the 3,000-square-foot house because you're not paying attention to the things that matter the most. Jesus is saying that it's our heart that matters the most. Verse 20 in the parable, But God said to him, to this man who was going to build a barn, You fool! You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? And this guy thought that the answer to all of his questions was more money, bigger barns, but he didn't count on the fact that what he didn't have was more time. And Jesus is saying to this guy, and he's saying to us, you missed it. You put all of your eggs in one basket, and it was the wrong basket. So Jesus concludes his story, and he applies it to everyone who is around, listening to every one of us today. Verse 21, he says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Do you know what greed does? It tricks us into trusting temporary things. That's what it does. It tricks us into making the wrong things our treasures. But Jesus is giving us a vision for something better, something new, for something, something that is freeing. There is richness to life that comes in a relationship with Jesus. When we give our hearts to him, he gives us riches. That's what he's talking about here. He says, yes, you truly are a fool if you have all the wealth and possessions, but you don't have a rich relationship with God. How can he make that statement? Because obviously if I have money, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be comfortable and be able to make decisions and be able to have things, right? But Jesus is making this, this seemingly audacious claim that if, I, if you could have nothing and still have a rich life, and this is why. When we know Jesus, we find whole, wholeness and health and healing. And when we have him, we have true riches. For example, wisdom. 
You'd be like, wisdom, that sounds like a cheap answer, Jared. I'd rather have 100 bucks in my pocket than wisdom. But let me tell you why. When you have wisdom, that's a true rich source because now you have the understanding of what to do with the money you have. When you have wisdom, now you have the ability to say, I'm going to spend my money on this and not on that. I'm going to invest it in this and not in that. I'm going to be generous to this or to that. Wisdom allows you to make decisions with what you have, not when you have plenty, but when you even have little. Wisdom comes from a relationship with Jesus. Also, peace. You can have all the money in the world and be fretting about the fact that you're going to lose it if the stock market crashes, or you could lose your job. My poor mother is telling me this week that she might be losing her job because of budget cuts with the state, right? These things are things that we're, none of us are immune to, but we can have peace. The Bible promises that when we know Jesus, there is a peace that transcends everything. There is no greater peace than when I'm in the middle of the storm of my life and I can sleep on the pillow like we saw in the story of Jesus crossing the, the lake with his disciples and he's back there having a nap and his disciples are freaking out. Why? Because of the peace, the spiritual peace that comes when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So whether I'm rich or I'm poor, whether I'm, I have all of these things happening or things are going well, there is no such thing as a peace that compares to the richness that comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're given joy. We're given generosity. These are things that are, that are truly rich in life that builds relationships and help us weather the storms and not get beaten down by those things. That all comes from a relationship with God. So how do we become truly rich? I want you to hear what Jesus says about it. He's going to conclude the parable, and now he's going to give some teaching. And we're going to read through it really quickly and apply it to us today. And as I read, I want you to do this. I want you to let the words of Jesus wash over you, and I want you to allow it to rewire the way that you think. This is what Jesus said in verse 22. And we're going to read a paragraph here. Then, turning to his disciples, Jesus said, That is why I tell you not to worry about everything in life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food and your body is more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant, they don't harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them and you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life. And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over big things? Verse 27 continues, look at the lilies and how they grow. They, won't, they don't work. They don't make their clothing. And yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. And pause, I would say, and even many of us in the room today, myself included, but your father already knows your needs. So Jesus is reinforcing what he's been saying this entire way here, that our lives are not measured by the things that we own. Life is more than food. It's more than clothing. It's more than money. Your quality of life is more than your standard of living. And then he talks about all these things and he connects it to worry. And did you know that worry is the cousin of greed? Usually they're kind of like two peas in a pod. You get one with the other. I worry all my life. I'm worrying. I'm stressed. I'm frustrated. I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm thinking about all these things. And Jesus is connecting it to him. It's because your heart is sick. You have a heart problem. You're worried because your heart is trusting in these things. All the other things that are temporary, that don't have the ability to save you. 
don't have the ability to help you, and they will betray you when the time comes. Like that guy in the story. He had all this money, and then, and then he died. What, is, what good was it? That's the point here. But the good news is that the answer to both is the same, and that is more of Jesus transforming our hearts. I can tell you I've seen it exhibited in others' lives. I've seen it even in my own life as I've applied these principles. The more I know Jesus, the more I'm at peace, the more I make good decisions, and even when I have less, there is always more. I don't know how to explain it. He always takes care of us. And I think that's the point here, that Jesus tells the, tells the parable. He diagnoses the problem, and then he just hammers the truth over and over and over again, and he says that God is our provider. If we stop looking to our boss as our provider, as our paycheck as our provider, as the electric company as a provider, as our savings accounts as our provider, and we say, God, you are my provider. You are my provider. You're the one who will take care of me. I look to you when times are good. I look to you when times are bad. When I don't have a lot, when I have a little, when I have much, I'm looking to you for wisdom, for joy, for peace, for generosity. This is the right way to think about money. God is our provider. So Jesus finishes by telling us all the things that we shouldn't worry about. And then he says, and I love this, instead. Instead. He says, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Instead. Instead of what? Instead of greed, instead of worry, instead of anxiety, instead of the rat race, instead of thinking that your life is measured by how much you own, instead of thinking that your standard of quality, standard of life is equal to your quality of life, instead, seek the kingdom, verse 31, of God above all else, and he will give you everything else you need. And this is a very, very famous verse, right? Seek, seek my kingdom and its righteousness and all these things will be added to you, right? That's the version that we kind of hear the most. But now do you see it in the context of this passage? It's all about worry. It's all about greed. It's all about the rat race and searching and grabbing and trying to get more and building security and building a barn and trying to make it everything to put walls around us so that when the day of destruction comes upon us, when it rains really hard or you lose your job or whatever, and, and all those things are fine to plan and to make good plans. But do not put your hope inside the building. Do not put your hope in the money in your paycheck or in your bank account. Jesus is saying, put your hope in God. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Put him first. Make God your source of everything, and he will give you everything that you need. That's the promise. Here's the promise and the truth that I want to leave you with today as we kick off this series. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is our big idea of the day. Give God your heart, and God will give you what you need. Give him your heart. If your heart is sick, it's because you're trusting in all of these other things. But give God your heart, and he promises to give you everything you need. He talks about the birds. He talks about the flowers. And he says they are taken care of because, the, because their father, the God in heaven, takes care of them. And that's the same thing that happens to us. It promises to us. I love this other passage of scripture that says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken. That's, that rings of the same zip. Excuse me, the same concept that we're talking about here is if you give God your heart, you put him first, let him worry about that stuff. And then you will never have to worry about not having enough. He will take care of you. You see, when our hearts are free from the grip of money, that our hearts are free to go after God. We can do whatever he asks us to do whenever he asks us to do it because we know that he is going to provide, that we can enjoy ourselves along the way. That's the thing, the thing that most people think like, well, if I trust God, that probably means I'm gonna have less and then I'm not going to enjoy my life. No. No, what I've seen is that 
that God, when we put him first, he provides and I enjoy my life. I am free, I have peace in my life. And when you decide that God is enough and when you live as though God is enough, he will give you more than enough and he will give you more of what really matters. And when we put God first in our finances, I believe that we will become spiritually content. We will see that. When we seek him, when we pray, when we ask for wisdom and divine direction on how to use the resources that God has blessed us with, that he has provided for us, when we ask those things, we will become spiritually content. I want to finish with Proverbs 15, verse 16. I love this verse. It says, better to have little with fear of the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. You know, there are very few people in our city who believe that today. Will you be one of the few? Just stand with me and pray. You know, if you're not a follower of Christ today, Jesus is not after your money. He's after your heart. I want to give you a chance this morning before we kind of all pray together and respond and worship and giving to say yes to Jesus, this man who has the answers to every problem the answers to every question, the one who can offer the peace in our lives, the wholeness and the healing that we all so desire. If there's anyone in the room who just wants to begin a relationship with Jesus, I just ask you to slip up your hand. I just want to pray with you. Amen. I want to respond this way today. If you are a follower of Jesus, he's going after more than just your heart. or He wants more of your heart. He wants to set you free from the sickness and the poison of greed and worry in your life. I want us all together to just solidify our decision to know Jesus and to give him our hearts. And if you would, I would encourage you to just maybe just repeat after me in this prayer. Jesus, I want more of you in my life. I want to be set free from worry. I want to be set free from greed. I want to be set free from anything that separates me from you. Free my heart. I want to know you more. I want to live free. I receive whatever you have for me today. In Jesus' name, amen going to go ahead and respond in worship. Let's take what God has spoken to your heart this morning, and we're going to sing about God's faithfulness and trusting him, and then we're going to come back in just a moment and uh, worship with our finances. Promise still stands, great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness, but still in your hands. This is my confidence, you never fail. Your promise still stands, great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, this is my confidence, you never fail me.
service hosts want to come forward, we're going to go ahead and worship God by giving. You know, we give at Encounter Church. Part of the reason is, is because something happens in our heart when we give freely and generously. It, it actually combats this thing we were talking about today. There are passages of scripture and there's even like just evidence in Jesus and the way he talks about how he's like, if you have a problem with this thing, then go to the other extreme and be generous, right? So if you have a problem with, with money controlling you and worry and all of those things, he says, then give of everything you've got and watch yourself be free because the spirit of God sets us free from sin as we move in the direction of who God is. And God is a generous God. And so as we give here, this is not any pressure. We give to invest in what God is doing in this city through Encounter Church. All, the, all of the money goes directly to the ministry to set other people free. And so if this is your first time or you're new to Encounter, this is not your church home yet, then you're under no obligation. No one's under an obligation. We want to give from the heart. But we welcome everyone to participate and to join in what God is doing. There's some easy ways to give. The first is a basket that's gonna come by in just a second. And in front of your chair in that pocket is some envelopes. If you want it to be a tax deductible gift, you can put your information on there, put whatever gift you have in the basket. Um, but most of our church gives online at encountergiving.com. It's a super easy web portal. You can even set it up as a recurring gift to make sure you're giving regularly. Um, but that's it. So we're gonna pray. And then as the baskets come around, we'll respond one more time with worship before we close. Father, thank you. Thank you that you care about our hearts. Thank you that you set us free. That we don't have to be held captive. We don't have to be slaves to money or to greed or to worry. I love that you said, who can add a single day to his life by worrying? And it's so true. I go to sleep at night worrying about things and wake up feeling exhausted the next morning. God, I'm thankful that you offer alternatives and peace. And so as we give to you today, we are, we are loosing the chains of greed and worry and fa false security off of our lives. We say in Jesus' name it is broken and instead I invest in life and in generosity and wisdom and peace. Take every gift that's given, God. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts this week and that each of us would let the words you have spoken to us sit into us and it would change us in Jesus' name. Amen. As the baskets go around, let's sing together. I've seen you move you move the mountains and i believe i'll see you do it again you made a way where there was no way and i believe i'll see you do it again i've seen you move you move the mountains and i believe to it again you made a way where there was no way and I believe I'll see you to it again God we give you our lives, we give you our hearts we give you our wallets we just trust that every day you're teaching us more about what it means to live free and in victory and not held captive to anything so grateful for it. I pray that you will bless us as we move from this place. You'll keep us safe. Let us have fun today at the Pirates game and bring us back together again safely next week. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home, or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.